0: You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some rice, And it is an amazing dinner. j o i n d e l e t e m e dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme dot com slash etm and use code etm for twenty percent off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compty Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking when your home is bigger than your bank account.
1: Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain.
0: I want to talk about the American dream because I think that we're all brought up to believe in a version of the American dream that I feel, you know, when we're growing up is probably pretty much the same version for all of us. You know, for me, I think the idea was always that, you know, you were gonna buy this house, maybe with like a white picket fence, you were gonna have two kids, or, you know, you've heard the like 2.5 kids, which I find hysterical because I do not understand how you have half a kid. Maybe if you do, you can actually explain that to me. You know, maybe you have a pet, you have a dog that you love, you know, there's barbecues on the 4th of July, and everybody has good stable jobs, you know? Nobody gets nobody gets laid off, there's no unemployment. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you rinse and repeat this dream over and over and over again. And the problem is, is, even when our lives aren't that way, then somehow we keep spoon-feeding that idea down to the next generation. And I feel like there's something wrong with raising kids to believe that, that that dream, that American dream that we've, you know, read about, that we've seen on TV, that's been passed down, that that is the idea of happiness and perfection. Because for a lot of us, it isn't. A lot of us, our dream looks different than other people. And I think you know especially when i was in my 20s if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're you are in your 20s i don't think i really even understood what i wanted my life to look like in my 20s and you know i think that's the cool thing about being in your 20s is you don't have to have a lot of that stuff figured out necessarily yet but i still want to go back to the question of you know what if we could all figure out what our version of our american dream not even american dream our life dream actually looks like I know for us, you know, having kids has been a really tough journey and, you know, part of the last few years has just been the realization that we might not actually have kids. And I'm a big believer that everything that happens was meant to be. So, um, you know, I think the hard part is just accepting that that's part of your journey. And you might have that, that same thing, you know, maybe yours is um, you want to buy a house, but it looks different than everybody else's. Maybe you're a big fan of of a tiny house or, you know, a pod or some something else. Maybe you don't like dogs. I don't know. You know, maybe you don't like barbecues. It, the point is, is that whatever was spoon-fed to us as kids, it doesn't have to be what reality actually looks like, right? But, you know, we're here to talk about Your first house or your second house or your third house, whatever house you might be on, whether you're envisioning it, whether you live in it, whether you're planning it, part of that American dream, I think, is the belief that you should buy a house that's bigger than you need, right? You know, you know, for those kids you don't have yet or for your in-laws that you really don't want sleeping over at your place all those parties you're going to throw, you know, where we're always in this mode of thinking like, well, I have to buy something bigger than I need now because then I will actually grow into that. But I feel there's a real like, dangerous problem in thinking that way. You know, the problem is your bank account might not be able to keep up with that bigger house. But the bigger question or the bigger point is, why do you need a bigger house? You know, I think that's really where that, that that flaw in that, you know, spoon feeding of that American dream lies because having a big house certainly does not equate to perfection and happiness. And I can speak from some personal truth here. You know, I, I, I bought a house when I was in my 20s. I actually lost the house in my 30s when I got divorced. And, uh, I, I'm do not own a house right now. And I've seen all different sides of this. I worked with people over the past 12 years, you know, buying houses, selling houses and, and, and helping people really shape their, their thinking around what they actually want, you know, versus what they feel like they have to have. And I think especially with social media, it's really easy to get in the trap of thinking that, you know, you have to have something grandiose. I mean, I look at all of those, uh, if if you're with me, if you are on Instagram and um, you're addicted to all these like home makeover shows like I am, you know, I look at all these Instagram posts about these like most beautiful kitchens and the most beautiful bathrooms and I know really how expensive all of that is, but it's so easy to buy into the illusion that if you're bathroom or your kitchen doesn't look like that, you know, A, that it's not picture worthy, which isn't true, and B, that it isn't um, as nice or as relevant or as important. And I think that's just such a dangerous uh, place for us to be in as a society. But getting approved for a home loan, it's not always the tricky part. You know, a lot of people like stress out about, oh, the home loan and, you know, you've signed so many documents and you have to provide them with so much information. But getting that loan actually isn't the tricky part. Paying for that loan month after month, year after year, that's the hard part. And it's hard because it comes with a lot of uncertainty. You know, you don't know what your life is going to look like in a year and three years and five years and 10 years down the line. You know, and part of that is super exciting, right? Like that's what keeps life really interesting is not knowing where things are are going but there's also a scary part of that and i think that's a real millennial issue is you know you've looked up, looked at society the last 10 plus years and went wait a minute i don't necessarily want to be that risky or i don't want to buy into all of those social norms. And I think that's a really cool trend that's happening because you have the ability to redefine what you want your life to look like. And that's a really powerful place to be. Um, I used to work in a mortgage company years and years and years ago. And I can remember some of the top selling real estate agents asking, but how much house can my client get? They want to buy the biggest house they can. And my question was always why? Why do they want to buy the most expensive house that they can? Because you know, in the mortgage business, if you work for a mortgage company or a real estate agent, you'll know this, you know, you the boundaries are pushed a little bit, you know, and when you're getting up to the max you can afford like that that's really putting potentially a strain on your finances on your bank account. and that's assuming that everything is gonna stay status quo. you know if something changes in your life, it gets to be really scary. Uh, and there are just so many things that you should think about when you're buying a home beyond, you know, can it hold my like beloved twelve foot Christmas tree, and will thirty friends fit in the pool for a blowout party? like those are important things I understand, and you know, like buying a house is a really emotional decision, and I think the hard part, especially when it's your first home, because, you know, you walk in and you're like, oh, I don't like the color of the walls. And I'm just going to remove this wall and take this down and add this here. And, you know, you you live in a little bit of, of a fantasy land. Those of you that are listening that are on your second or third home, you understand that, um, you know, you, you have to look at a house a little bit differently because all of those things are expensive. Now, painting and, you know, tearing down wallpaper, like that's really inexpensive. And you can change that in a nanosecond. And that makes a room come alive in a whole different way than you could imagine it before. So, you know, if you're buying your first house, you know, try not to fall into the trap of discounting a house just because it's got, you know, bright orange carpet or some horrible green color on the wall, because you can change all of that. Um, The stuff that's hard to change is the structural stuff. That's where the money starts, um, you know, falling through the pit in the floor. But, you know, I think there are really like seven things that you should think about when you're buying a home to figure out, is your home bigger than your bank account? And first is really, you know, what percentage of your actual income is the mortgage to your salary? That sounds like duh, right? Like, of course, Shauna, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, we get in like this frenzy when we're buying a house and we tend to not think about the actual real impact on our bank account. So the guideline is that they want you to spend less than 20% of your paycheck before taxes, but many stretch that to a much bigger percentage of your paycheck and that's scary because... You know, you're you're risking. You're putting yourself in a riskier situation. If something were to happen to your income, or if you're with a partner, you know, what if something happened to both of your incomes? You know, uh, you can't just decide that you don't want to pay pay the home mortgage one month. That would be really nice if we could do that, right? If we could just be like, ah, I'm going to take a pass until next month, but I'll catch you next month. Unfortunately, they don't let us do that. So. I think finding a really comfortable spot that's less than 28% of your paycheck before taxes, that's a sweet spot for you because you can feel comfortable that you can make that payment and maybe even, you know, if you're a two income family, what if one person lost their job, could you still make that mortgage payment? What does that percentage look like? Like maybe that's a comfier place for you to be at. You know, and, and so what if you can't have 30 friends over for a pool party? Who cares, right? Get a little blow up pool in your backyard and make everybody, you know, pretend like they're five years old again. Um, and then, you know, another thing is, is the house in a good neighborhood that's that's up and coming or a stable neighborhood where you're going to retain value? So, you know, value is the name of the game when you buy a home because nobody buys a home anymore anymore. Um, and, you know, nobody buys a home anymore thinking like, oh, you know what, I'm going to buy this home and it's going to lose value and I'm going to feel real, real happy about that. No, of course not. Of course, it's why a lot of you don't want to invest in the stock market because of the like fear and panic that one day you might wake up and half of what you invested might be vaporized in a day is scary. And so the same thing exists from the home. The reason you're buying the house, obviously to live in the house, of course, that makes sense. But you're also hoping that your investment is going to be a good investment and that the worst case scenario, if you ever had to sell your house, you would get, you know, equal to what you put in the house. But the best case scenario, of course, is that you're going to make some money off of that property. And that's how all of those home flipper shows work. You know, they're trying to buy a house that's Uh, low enough value so that when they improve the house, when they put that cash in to make all those improvements, and then they go to sell the house, you know, they've got a, you know, 10 to 30 to 40% increase in profit. And then they take that profit and they keep rolling it into the next house, next house, next house, and so on. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. a million bucks wearing this cozy workout-friendly outfit, I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com etm. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? plus they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads i think that's really important after trying out monarch for myself i understand why it is the top rated personal finance app and now listeners of this show get an extended 30 day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/etm that's m o n a r c h m o n e y.com/etm for your extended 30 day free trial I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
1: Whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash specials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.
0: But, uh, you know, it's not always a guarantee that uh, the price that you want to get for your house is the price that you're going to sell it at. And that's why, you know, so many people get hung up on, well, I have a lot of, I have a lot of money because I have a lot of real estate. Wrong. You have a lot of real estate. You have a lot of money if you can sell that real estate and get the price that you actually want for that real estate. If you can't, you just own a lot of real estate. So it's not liquid. It's not something that you can go tomorrow and cash in on. So you know, all of these things, I think thinking about this ahead of time will really help you make sure that your home is not bigger than your bank account. Something else that a lot of people don't think about, but, you know, is your home near a major street that future buyers might not find appealing? Now, you might not care. Like, you might think it's exciting if you're near, a, you know, big street and maybe there's a lot of noise. I know some people, like, really like the noise. I think it's soothing to a lot of people to hear traffic. For me, I don't, I'm, I'm a peace and quiet type person. So you have to figure out what works for you. But in the same breath, you also have to think about, okay, if I have to sell this place, what is the future buyer going to like or not like about it? And usually being near or right on a major street is something that Could make it difficult for you to sell your property in the future or sell it for the price that you actually want, right? Because you can always sell your property. The question is just, are you going to get the dollar amount that you actually want? And the same thing with the neighbors, you know, your neighbors around your property or in your complex, you know, do they keep up their house? How does the lawn look? How does the exterior look? All of those things make a big difference because. They can, in essence, bring up, you know, the property values of your particular neighborhood just by how well, you know, your block or your little section of the community actually maintains their properties. So, you know, uh, the worst case scenario is that you have this beautiful place that you live in, but then all the houses around you are giant eyesores. You know, you can't go over and like mow their lawns and paint their houses and do all those sorts of things. Um, maybe they would let you do that, but I don't think that would be a very smart use of your time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you go, you try and go sell your house and, you know, buyers are like, well, I don't want to live next to these eyesores. I remember when I used to own my house and uh, it wasn't on my street. It was a couple streets over, but there were these like three just beautifully remodeled properties. And then in the middle of them was this house that looked it looked really nice from the outside, but they put up this horrid uh, wrought iron fence. It was huge. It was tall. I think it was probably six or eight feet tall. It just was a complete eyesore and they painted it the most awful teal color you could ever imagine. So when you rounded the corner on that block, all you saw was this giant teal fence. It was just, I don't even know what the owners were thinking. I don't even know. Why is that color even allowed in the color scheme? I I don't know. It was just, it was so horrible. And the poor next door neighbors were trying to sell their house and their house was beautiful, totally upgraded, just a stunning house. But buyers did not want to buy the house next to the horrible teal fence house. And so the the, uh, sellers of this house actually had to go over and make a deal with the people with the horrible teal fence about um, either repainting that and they were going to cover the cost or they were actually going to have them repaint it and they were going to give them a piece of the profit from selling the house. So, I mean, you know, your, your neighbors have a big impact on your house. But, you know, as we're talking about this whole American dream and what this looks like and the idea of it, the question really is how much space do you actually need? And I find that when we get in like the frenzy of buying a house, we forget this question a lot, but it's really important. You know, your friends are still going to come over whether you have a 3000 square foot place or a 700 square foot place. They're there for you. They're not there for the house. And if they're there for the house, well then, I don't know, maybe they're not good friends. I, I mean, do I dare say that? But you know, how much space do you need now? Not with your fictitious kids, not with, you know, a 10 of your friends constantly in rotation going through the guest room. Like what actually fits you now? Because... You're buying the house for you and your family. You're not buying the house for other people. And yeah, maybe you might want an extra bedroom. Of course, if you're buying a house, the statistics are that if you have a three-bedroom house, it usually is going to have higher value than a house with two bedrooms. Like all of those things are logical, you know? But I think just getting extra bedrooms just for the sake of getting extra bedrooms, certainly when it puts a strain on your bank account, that's where the danger and the risks with home buying really come in. And another thing is, you know, what is your income and growth potential for you and your partner realistically, like not fantasy land, but realistically. So if you're already up against that 28% of your income for your home mortgage, you know, that's a scary place to be. But what if your income growth potential is not good? You know, what if you're only getting 1% or 3% raises a year? You know, the problem is, is that that starts putting a strain on all your other money goals. And while in the beginning, it might not make a big deal, you know, it might not be a, a big difference, you know, you might say, well, you know, our dream was to buy this house. And so we don't really care if we can't put money in retirement, or we don't really care if we can't travel or, you know, we we don't really care if we can't afford a lot of the things that we used to be able to afford. And, and that's true, you know, usually your first couple years of buying a house, like there's a big adjustment, p- adjustment phase, and you're trying to figure it all out. So a lot of times you'll put you'll put goals on hold, that's totally normal. The problem is, you just want to make sure that they're not on hold for A long period of time for multiple years. And, you know, buying a house, it's always gonna leave you with making some choices. Are you okay not paying off your student loans as fast? Maybe you can't contribute the max to your 401k, but you can in the foreseeable future. You know, what can you foresee in the future as best as humanly possible so that your house is not stopping all the rest of your life from moving forward? I just read a really interesting Wall Street Journal article. I'm going to link it in the show notes about this topic. And there was a quote in there that that I loved. It was talking about long-term returns, long-term returns. And it said, The money saved in buying a right-size home could pay dividends in the future, literally. A $20,000 savings each year over the life of a 30-year mortgage could result in a nearly 1.2 million nest egg If invested in a stock market portfolio earning only 4% a year, the annual savings when compounded over time is likely to exceed the appreciation in your home's value over the term of your mortgage. Bang, mic drop, out, out, out. Did you get that? So what they're saying is if you buy the right size home and that saves you $20,000 a year, Over that course of of that mortgage, that is in essence, if invested in a stock market portfolio that's only earning 4%, is worth $1.2 million to you. So my question is, when you're looking at the house and you're saying, you know, we only need three bedrooms, but we want five bedrooms, and the five bedrooms is going to risk $1.2 million, potentially, this is all, we're all just talking fake numbers at this point, right? Right? but you get the idea behind it. What is the right size home for you? And think about it this way that how much money that could literally mean to you down the line. I mean, it could be life-changing for sure. And I think the tough thing is that, you know, there's this concept, this word about adulting that we hear a lot. It really is about being in the land of choices. And there's not always a right choice, but what I have found is you probably have heard this concept, the lifestyle creep. It is so real. It is beyond real. And I've been guilty of it before. You may have been guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of it at some point. But, you know, it's just the concept of more money, more stuff, bigger house, more stuff, more money, more money, more stuff, bigger house. You know, it's like this this constant treadmill that we're on to always one-up everything that we have. And, you know, I think that if we think about especially, you know, what's the vision for our life? Is our life the tiny house vision, which I think is so inspiring. And there's so many cool stories about, you know, being able to create an entire tiny house for a hundred grand or less, Uh, you know, if that works for you, that's fantastic. But, you know, maybe you need a little bit more space, but maybe you think about space in in a different way. At the end of the day, it's it's your house. Your house is your home. And I just want to make sure that you make it a home where your bank account will allow you to still enjoy life. Because that, my friends, that's the secret. That's the smart money moves. That's the gold, right? That is literally your mic drop. So as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and head on over to the link in the show notes to leave us a review.